Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Taylor McClinigan of Taylor Tall. So welcome to the show, Taylor. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Allison. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I am a tall woman, uh, not exceedingly tall, but tall at 5'11", and I'm a designer of clothing for tall women. So um, I launched my brand, uh, Taylor Tall, last year, and we design modern basics uh, for women 5'9 and taller that are made to order so that you can customize your length at purchase. And we focus on using small batch and sustainable fabrics, uh, you know, as much as possible since sustainability is, of course, an ongoing um, goal and thing to improve upon. Yeah. And then we also uh, partner with a fair trade factory in uh, Mumbai, India, that uh, to to construct our garments. And um, I've had the fortunate ability to work with them for quite some time throughout my uh, career. So that's a little bit about what I do. Awesome. That's such a cool story and background. Yeah, I was, I was gonna ask you, are you tall yourself? But you are. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. too, so I'm, I'm the opposite side of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, women above 5'9 is like a very specific target market. Did you decide on that kind of niche for your brand just because you're tall and you kind of knew what the experience was shopping for clothes as a tall woman? Well, at first, um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur for many years and uh, as well as an entrepreneur with my husband, which is another element of our business, um, and uh, considered many different businesses, but I was really loving my career in uh, apparel um, production, in fair trade uh, production, and, um, you know, so kind of decided let's go with this skill set, you know, and uh joy of working in fashion um, and did not actually think that I would start with tall women. I kind of, my first driving force was to work in the types of fabrics uh, that are uh, traditional to India in particular, um, hand-woven fabrics uh, and natural fibers in lots of different weave textures uh, and and dyeing processes done there. So I knew that was what I wanted to do as a designer, but I uh, was lucky enough to take some entrepreneurship courses. And, you know, one of the biggest questions is what problem are you going to solve for your Mm, market? mm -hmm. You know, um, and that businesses that really define a problem, um, uh, you know, can, often experience like good success or have a sturdy foundation if they can answer that. So that sort of put me into another, you know, exploration of what, um, what problem I wanted to solve for people and, you know, coming as well from a production background, I really appreciate good fit and what that does for a garment and what it does Mm -hmm. for a woman's experience in a garment. And, uh, so, you know, 
all of these things combined one day, you know, it's cliche, but I had that aha moment, you know, <laughs> like what's been hard about your experience in fashion? Well, you know, you're, you're working on beautiful clothes for another company and it's just too short, you know, <laughs> like the, the dresses, the bodice line is, is three inches too short, which, you know, adds all sorts of, um, you know, kind of unflattering elements to a dress and you're mm -hmm. a professional woman and often struggle to find, um, you know, things that you feel really comfortable in presenting yourself, uh, you know, and that speak to your personality. And, um, you know, then I started thinking and diving more into the community of tall women online, which there is quite a big one and realized like even more, you know, um, the hardships that tall women are facing. So, uh, yeah you know, to kind of, I mean, I guess keep going. Uh, I was also scared to like narrow down so much as a business. I worried like, well, uh, you know, if I can't cater to the masses, then will anyone like, you know, my garments or, you know, is that going to add more risk to the company? And, um, you know, did a good amount of research and I think the verdict is still out, but, uh, you know, there is some good evidence that fashion brands who really can, can find a good niche, um, you know, it helps a entrepreneur and a designer like uh, uh, define who their customer is a little bit more, which is really mm -hmm. helpful in like every area of your business, you know, exactly, mar yeah. marketing, design, fit, you know, technical fit, all those things. So um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. There's so many good things in there that I want to go back and ask you more questions about. Yeah. Um, but I think you're totally right about, and even in my own business too. So my business is three years old, a little over three years. Mm -hmm. And to pick an, a niche and define it and like almost exclude some people, you know, like you're mm -hmm. saying women above five, nine. So me mm -hmm. being short, I'd be like, Oh, that's not for me. And I would go mm -hmm. somewhere else. But that's, it's scary to think about like, am I going to turn people away? Um, mm -hmm. And the temptation is to try to kind of be everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. But I've definitely found like the more niche and focused that I am with who I serve and what the mm -hmm. problem is, the more business I get, yeah. which seems totally backwards. And it's still yeah. like very scary to like turn away mm -hmm. things um, yeah. or be very specific in your marketing and really say mm -hmm. like, this is the, exact person who this is for mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it really it's kind of it's kind of backwards but it's almost like that almost of more possibilities because then the person who is above five nine sees that and they're like this is exactly what I've been looking mm -hmm. for you know and then they're gonna tell all their tall friends because they can easily remember mm -hmm. um, it, it's memorable too like yeah easily explain it to somebody else mm-hmm mm-hmm and remember, uh, like, oh, she's the go-to person for, you know, tall women's fashion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I, it is so counterintuitive. But then, um, like you said, you know, if you, as much as it's easy for people to identify that your brand isn't for them, that means it's all that much easier for people to identify that your brand is for them, you know? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think you're right. And, um, do you feel like the, 
fashion brands that you're um, uh, serving are also seeing that or, you know, what's your experience of their, do they come into working with you with similar views? And then, you know, is that something you try to guide them on or um, yeah. How do you work through that with your customers? Um, so there, I kind of work with a range of, you know, a little bit more startup to mm -hmm. small but established. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of depends on where in their process I'm starting to work with mm -hmm. them. Um, mm -hmm. I do more of the technical, like actual fit mm -hmm. advising on that side of things, not as much about like finding a market and mm -hmm. business mm -hmm. plan side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but I do always recommend really knowing who your customer is because that helps not only the marketing in the business, but also even for, you know, I'm a pattern maker. So helping to make it fit well, or mm -hmm. um, if you know mm -hmm. your customer is buying from you online, you mm -hmm. know, making sure that it's a type of garment that's not going to be difficult to fit somebody that they can order it without having tried it on in a store. And it still fits well, or for mm -hmm. higher end, you know, knowing, if your customer is the type of person who's going to buy at a price point and then have, you know, like a blazer tailored, if they're expecting mm -hmm. at that price point to have something tailored, constructing the garment and doing the technical design such that it's easy to alter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So keeping things like that in mind, or even, you know, is, is the audience, are there a lot of moms in the audience and, and do they need mm -hmm. clothes that are easy to wash? Are they traveling a lot? Do they've got kids that are making messes that they need mm -hmm. something that's not dry clean, you know, only, or, you know, something that's fits with their lifestyle. And so all that kind of information I ask for my clients and help them think mm -hmm. through um, some of these things as it relates to making the clothing really fit and function yeah. well for that audience. Yeah, you're so right that, um, and I think that's often overlooked connection between like, you know, defining your target market as not just a marketing thing that comes at the time of sales. It's like how deeply ingrained in design it is, is, is so important too, because all of those elements that you mentioned are really important, you know, and very mm -hmm. different for different people. So mm -hmm. um, I can really appreciate that approach. <laughs> cool. So what kind of fit problems have you seen tall women experiencing that you noticed as the problem you wanted to solve? <laughs> yeah, I think I kind of noticed that there are like two, almost kind of two groups of tall women too. And it's like those who know that they're tall and have always, you know, struggled um, to find things. And, you know, I don't want to generalize, but it seems to be, you know, if you're significantly tall, like, you know, six, one to six, five, even above six, five, six, seven, you know, um, you're very much outside of uh, standard clothing, which is designed, you know, most of the time for like five, four or five, five women. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also this group of women who kind of like don't know that they're tall, <laughs> but um, I, uh, you know, are like five, eight even to um, six foot. And 
you know, maybe like fashion hasn't been the forefront of their lives, you know, always or kind of just uh, regular women and, you know, have also really struggled to find things that fit. But, you know, unfortunately, look inward. Um, you know, I think all, all, uh, uh, tall women can often look inward and think that, you know, it's something wrong with them, you know, or their bodies as mm-hmm. do so many, so many women, but, um, you know, in particular, like that group that just doesn't know that it's their height that actually is making a lot of these, uh, the things that they've tried on not work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, and for both, of course, um, you know, it's easy to say like length is the issue, but the height of people changes so, um, you know, incrementally throughout their body that it's really um, not just adding inches to a garment, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, uh, so, you know, tall women are suffering from things being too short, but then often the things on the market from bigger brands are really just an inch longer. You know, I did definite like, you know, shopping and, and, um, uh, market competitive, competitive research. And so many of the options out there are just simply, um, you know, a few inches added to the inseam of the bottom of the pant or the dress or the top, you know, and nothing else about the garment is tailored for tall proportions, but, you know, there are minute, uh, you know, half inch differences from head to toe, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think other real eye openers, um, starting to evaluate myself and, and, you know, um, of course I've stitched for myself before, but, uh, uh, you know, just diving into it even more, the, um, bust and waist placement is such an integral, um, integral difference that tall women need, um, change. There's, uh, the, especially the distance from like your high point shoulder, um, you know, where your neck is meeting your shoulder line Mm -hmm. to the, to the center of your bust, Mm -hmm. you know, on, for a average, um, size woman or garment, you know, that, to a tall woman, um, you know, that could be anywhere from three to six inches difference, you know, uh, and that makes a really big deal. If like the place that the garment has in mind for where your breasts should go is completely off. Like you can imagine, you know, what that does for the look of the garment. Um, you know, and often tall women have complained that like dresses with a fitted waist feel really tight because the waist is hitting at their rib cage, you know, which is much more, um, it's, it's higher you up can't and, take and a deep breath broader. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, and it's not because they need a bigger size. So just going up in size won't solve that problem. You know, um, they need it in an entirely different place in the garment. Um, yeah. so yeah, those are some of the, I think the, often people like tall, you know, think tall, long legs, long arms, which are no doubt an issue, but I really love, you know, focusing on the differences in your torso and your trunk, you know, <laughs> like this is yeah. where a lot of attention needs to happen as well, you know. Yeah, and I would imagine a lot of armholes are feeling too tight, not because mm-hmm. they're too small, because they're too short. Like exactly. they, they need to come down farther because more of that length is taken up in the width, which mm-hmm. gets very technical and, and yeah, 
how, how armholes are shaped because they're like flat, but they're really like width and length all in one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like um, geeking out on this with you. <laughs> I know. Same here. You're, yeah, you're so right. You know, that, that um, chafing like at the underarm for a tank top, you know, mm-hmm. that is a huge comfort factor and um, like high rise pants, you know, people often say, well, tall women, why don't you just buy, you know, high rise. Um, but if you think about like the geometry of the kind of, um, uh, shape, like, um, I forget now the geometric shape it is, but you know, even like a, um, triangle, you know, if you think Mm -hmm. about the top of a high rise pant and if the, garment is made for the narrowest part of the pant to be in one place and you know um on on one person who's shorter and then on a tall person it's in an entirely different place you know that waistband even though it's quote high rise for regular people hits at the totally wrong place on a tall woman and is like then just way too tight you know yeah Um, yeah or you get that to fit and then I imagine like the high hip is like way too loose because it's exactly it's like the length from hip to waist is like so much Mm -hmm. shorter on most Mm -hmm. pants than you need it yeah 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 I find that the um like hip depth of uh of you know our customer again is um it's that same kind of three to six inch difference, you know, um, that, uh, is really significant, you know, Mm -hmm. in, um, in, uh, proportion. So, yeah. And then, I mean, of course you move into knee placement, um, personal preference of how long, you know, your pants inseam runs or your top, you know, where your top hits and things like that. But, um, that, 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 um, depth of the bust and depth of the hip are, I would say like the biggest, um, biggest differences that we, that I try to pay attention to. Yeah, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so you mentioned a little bit that you had done kind of like competitive market research. Did you also, um, kind of get feedback from your target market early on, or how did you tweak and refine how you were going to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I, I bought a lot of garments from competitors and in some brands I kind of, I bought the regular sizes and the tall sizes to kind of see what they were doing to address the, the length. And that's where I found a lot falling short. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no Just adding, in, adding an inch yeah. to the, to the, yeah, yeah total yeah. length. Right. Um, but then I, um, I did first like a survey, you know, of just general like lifestyle questions that had some specifics, but I, I knew not, you know, um, everyone would be able to kind of, you know, offer up like my hip depth is this, you know? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I, I asked more lifestyle questions and, and, um, what their hardships were and what they wanted to pay for, what they wanted in a brand, like what, you know, what elements of a clothing brand were important to them, but I sent it specifically to um, tall women. Uh, So I did that. And then also, um, you know, uh, gathered fit models. Um, I, you know, was lucky enough, I didn't have to use um, professional fit models or which is, you know, good. I mean, I think if you can get a good pool of bodies that are in your, you know, target market, that's, you know, most, brands are designing for, you know, not a model figure. So I think it was, it's really beneficial to kind of get, um, regular folks to, to, um, 
be references for you. So I did, I, you know, I gathered body measurements from this pool of women, um, you know, compared them and uh, like asked about what they, what sizes they buy, you know. Um, so, you know, just a lot of spreadsheets with a lot of body measurements and <laughs> a lot of comparisons, um, you know, uh, and I also did a little bit of research around, um, kind of what the current like vanity sizing scene was. So, you know, I tried to buy garments and also measure them against kind of the body measurement charts that they're using, um, on their websites, you know, uh, to talk or to target a little bit of what you were saying, you know, if someone's going to buy a garment from online, like how to make sure it, you know, meets their expectations as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was one thing I kind of did to work on that. Um, but yeah, definitely good research. And I felt like that gave me a lot of confidence kind of moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Because that's definitely, especially with a very fit-specific product, mm -hmm. that's so important to have all that research and the kind of the data to back up the idea. Because it's not mm -hmm. just how it looks, it's more about how it functions. Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes it more repeatable, too. And now, you know, moving forward with new designs, I can, you know, take customer feedback uh, and you know, use that if things need to change about my starting points and, um, you know, and things like that. Uh, it also, you know, makes it me feel like it's a little more um, repeatable, you know, I think mm -hmm. as uh, new brands, like um, I used to work for a more established brand and I just know that, uh, you know, things start to move really quickly and you're going to need to, you know, design, you know, certain things on a faster timeline and that research at the beginning really helps, you know. Um, Lose the foundation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So you you said you worked for another fashion brand before. Do you have a more technical, like apparel background that you went into this with? It sounds like you kind of do. Yeah, I um, grew up with the seamstress, so uh, you know, was lucky to kind of start making Beanie Baby clothes from a young <laughs> age, um, nice. and then yeah, um, and then. I worked, uh, you know, in high school, I loved the theater program and was fortunate to have a, you know, well-funded one and made a lot of costumes from scratch for, for the shows there. Um, in college, I thought maybe I would go into costume design and, and started off there, but then eventually decided to pursue um, my love of photography for uh, college. But then I started getting into fair trade, which I had known about kind of growing up the, the concept of, um, you know, following a set of, uh, tenants for, um, trade of goods between people. So meaning that, you know, people are paid, uh, paid fairly for the products they're making and, um, you know, supporting positive work environments and all sorts of things like that. Um, and found a job, uh, was so fortunate right after college to find a job at a startup uh, garment line um, who was working with uh, cooperatives in uh, India and Nepal to produce their um, line of primarily like sundresses and things like that. 
Um, so I just, as any small business did a ton of different things for them from wholesale trade show and booth display design to, you know, customer service and invoicing to e-marketing. And, um, eventually though, I, you know, had grown my skills and continued to take different courses, but I worked in production for them for about, um, seven years and, you know, was responsible for the quality and, um, you know, quality, uh, checking and fit. And, uh, um, I didn't do initial pattern, uh, making though now I do for our line, but, uh, you know, was checked along the way, um, how those, how those different things were, you know, so that was like a really long story there. Anyway. No, no. It sounds like you had like a lot of really good, like experience that led up to and like connected yeah. to what you're doing with your brand now. So that exactly like the perfect background for this. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I was really glad to have been a production person because while I was in um, early stage design a little bit, I could see how in production, you can see how things turn out, you know, yes. like these were yes. our design intentions. These were the pattern measurements we had. And then once you stitch it, like these common things happen, you know, like this fabric stretches this way, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, this is a, you know, common hardship for stitchers. So this area with this fabric has this issue, you know, and so getting to see that scale was really helpful, um, you know, in terms of then starting from scratch for, for our brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're so right. I think that's another thing a lot of people overlook and even designers, you know, if they're not working in that production environment often that there's, it's so connected and like how the design decisions really impact the production and you, and how in, in the pattern making too also impact impacts production like you can do those little things to make it easier to sew and therefore cheaper quicker or mm -hmm. you know less air less mm -hmm. you know margin of error there or just how different fabrics behave or those common like problem areas mm -hmm. on a production line like there's so much you can do on the design stage that affects that and vice versa to actually get a quality product produced that there's there's a lot that goes in there yeah yeah I will say too, um, I've come to this realization after, you know, several years now that I also think the importance of making those good foundations, like quality, you know, patterns, a good number of samples to make sure you've worked out those issues, mm -hmm. you know, those are all things that also contribute to a really good partnership with, um, your manufacturer and, uh, you know, in certain ways like ethical fashion, because I feel like when, um, development happens or is rushed or there's not this respect for that process of, of trying yes. to get as much of the kinks worked out at the, um, beginning part of the design cycle, it lends itself then more towards, well, I got a product that isn't, um, you know, what I thought. And so it's probably like the stitcher's fault, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that's a, you know, pretty unfortunate situation, you know, I think mm -hmm. because, um, you know, I've often found that you don't then you're not able to work out good solutions with the manufacturer, you know, um, you're kind of more interested in just like, kind of blaming what, you know, what happened on someone. Mm 
um, you know, as opposed to uh, preventing it from next time, for next time, uh, altering design choices for the future, you know, all of those things that really then create a much stronger, like long-term, you know, relationship uh, come out of that willingness to like, try to get all the kinks worked out early, you know, and mm -hmm. the realization that you probably can't get all the kinks worked out, um, you know, and that's no one's fault, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Um, no, I yeah. totally agree with that. I feel like we're on the same page with how yeah. we uh, approach a factory. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think it comes down to having respect for the people that sew the clothes, um, mm -hmm. that they aren't like less important than the designers in the office. So I think a lot of designers tend to have a little bit of an ego, um, mm. you know, and, and, and maybe don't give enough credit to the people making the clothes, you know, especially, and it's, it's often, you know, trying to get the cheapest price from the factory as possible. I see mm -hmm. that a lot. And, but the factory is like such a great resource for working through those kinks, being responsive mm -hmm. about like, Hey, if you changed this type of stitching or, moved this seam or did something you know picked a slightly mm -hmm. different fabric that wouldn't like curl on the edges or something like that mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that it can improve the design in the end and make it way more efficient to sew and so they're mm -hmm. like such experts at that that mm -hmm. like I always recommend to my clients like have very open and honest communication with your factory and really listen mm -hmm. to what they're like ask them for their advice and their feedback yes. on how how they would suggest to improve the sample um, mm -hmm. because they know what they're doing. You know, mo I mean, mm -hmm. there are horror stories of, you know, factories that don't really know what they're doing, but mm -hmm. for the most part, like that's what they're doing all day, every day. And so mm -hmm. they know better than anyone mm -hmm. how to, to make this a better product. And if you like continue to work together in that more like partnership um, mm -hmm. relationship, then like you're, you're helping both of you in the long run, you mm -hmm. know, like if, if you're going to be in business longer because you have better products and they're going to stay in business because they have your, they're sewing your stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, I, I feel like it's a much more, I mean, nice and also like it's better for business. Beneficial. Yeah, yeah beneficial exactly. for both parties to really mm -hmm. have that communication and respect for both sides of that process. Yeah, completely, completely agree. <laughs> Plus it's exciting, you know, yeah. it's exciting. Part of the thing I love about, you know, designing and deciding not to just make clothes, you know, by myself and um, sew them for people and, and instead working with a manufacturing unit is that it's a really great thing to like have made a product with all these different voices and hands and efforts, you know, mm -hmm. um, at least for me, that's a really exciting thing, you know, to know, um, like all the different people involved, you know, mm -hmm. and even just, again, like understanding how everybody's job affects each other because you know it's like if you've ever sewed a sample which is you mentioned you had sewn some stuff for mm -hmm. you it's like okay on one sample you can probably work around some sort of little hiccup mm -hmm. or issue but mm -hmm. if you had to sit there and sew a hundred of those or two hundred or a mm -hmm. thousand and that's what you're doing all day that gets really frustrating if like there was a problem you could have prevented and you're now mm -hmm. having to do that work around a hundred times you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, like that would frustrate me if I had to do that. So just, mm -hmm. yeah, 
being understanding of they want to make your product good and yeah. help them out too, you know, yeah. make it make it easy for them. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone doing their part is important mm-hmm. to remember. Yeah. So it sounds like you you did a lot of making the foundation and the pattern making for your brand. Uh, what did that journey look like first finding a factory and getting those initial, like your first collection tweaked and samples ready and getting the feedback and making sure the fit was good. So what Mm -hmm. kind of was that, did that journey look like of kind of the technical behind the scenes of when you first launched? Sure. Um, Yeah. The very first uh, stage was definitely like narrowing down um the body measurements uh you know not just the ones posted on my website but a more um you know detailed uh set of measurements um and then uh you know i did use myself as a fit model which is very beneficial but like you know and eases the process but i still wanted to make sure that if i did that what are some things i should take into consideration to make sure it's fitting more in like the whole um body measurement set that i'd like to um cater to mm-hmm. so once i got that established then um i did make a a bodice block, um, as well as a skirt block for our brand, um, you know, to just kind of get those ratios, uh, correct. And then, um, I, you know, sketched and designed, um, different silhouettes. Uh, I bought reference samples, um, you know, if I needed, um, and then I, let's see for three styles, I, then, you know, used my blocks to alter, uh, and, you know, create our pant fit and, um, our short sleeve shirt and our tank tops. And then, um, there for our drop shoulder shirt, I, you know, was able to communicate directly with the, um, factory on, uh, the style and the measurements. So I didn't actually, um, need to create like a muslin on my side first for that. Um, I was able to, you know, um, give them the target specs and then see a sample first. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but for the styles where I made samples at the beginning, then I did transfer them to the, um, our factory to get them, um, into digitized. So that then I could see their sample, how the translation from my um, paper patterns to the digital patterns worked, um, uh, and if there were any discrepancies. And then um, we graded. I I, uh, did more research on the grade rules that I wanted to assign, um, you know, what uh, sizing structure did I want to use, you know, numerical sizing versus letter sizing. you know, did I want to use, you know, the words plus or uh, women's or, you know, like Mm -hmm. what were all the work terminologies I wanted to use, Um, you know, and then the uh, grade rules, I submitted grade rules for each garment um, to the factory and they were able to grade. And then, you know, I think it's really important to see um, size set, you know, Mm -hmm. samples to actually then fit those on on fit models um, to really check uh, to make sure your assumptions were good and uh, make any alters uh, alterations needed. Um, the other thing I did was I that I really am, um, you know, 
proud of, I guess, is that for um, my, the sizes 14, 16, and 18, and I would plan to do so for any further extended sizes, um, I made a new um, base size. So uh, at, at a size um, 16, because mm-hmm. in my experience, um, you know, as I'm sure you know, it's like if you extend grading too far, you know, it really doesn't do its job very well. Um, and I felt like the proportions change again. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt that those, um, sizes were enough far away from my size 10, um, base size that I wanted to, um, design a little bit better for those folks. And, um, you know, in particular, it's like, I think a lot of clothing, you know, assumes that if you have a bigger chest that your shoulders are super wide, Yes, um, you know, oh, and that's, that's one like, of my pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, really plus size shoulders case. being like so huge. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, that like you can't, um, you know, often there's not like an armhole dart added when it would be actually pretty simple and really nice like to add shaping there, you know. So mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, the biggest difference is just like the cup size. I want to make sure that that's always catered to more appropriately um, as I continue to design and, um, you know, things like the rise or uh, room in the seat, you know, needing to change things like that. Um, I always want to be aware of instead of just kind of like spanning out, you know, extended sizes uh, in either direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then let's see factory. So factory sourcing. Yeah. Fortunately I've been um, working with uh, many different factories for I think, yeah, the eight years like prior to um, starting and researching. So early, early on I did you know, um, new fabric, fact, uh, fabric supplier sourcing as before I even got started <laughs> designing, mm-hmm. you know, um, because yeah, that's the yeah. time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's before designing. And also, you know, to kind of know, like, um, are these, uh, different fabric suppliers aligning with my, um, sustainability and ethical, uh, production values and things like that, um, as well as quality, and price. Um, so, uh, that was like, you know, that has to be done throughout the whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but for the cut and sew manufacturer, um, I've been working with them for the, um, brand I worked for prior. So I'm um, so thankful to have had a really long-term relationship with them, um, you know, and get to know their staff. And that was a, a real, you know, um, lucky point for me to have that, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's so helpful. not be a nervous part of my, uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. It sounds like you've really done like all your research and being very thoughtful about your sizing and your fit and how all that works for your customer, um, <laughs> which is great. Cause I don't think a lot of people think through it that, um, thoroughly, especially yeah. Adding sizes and making sure Let's re let's refit a base size. Let's try it on multiple people. Let's get a size run. And that's definitely, especially, you know, for the first, you know, couple of years of a brand to get the size runs like that is so crucial to just make mm-hmm. sure everything's perfect. Yeah. On your site, you mentioned that your clothing is consciously crafted, which I feel like ties into everything that you've already said. But, um, and you mentioned sustainability a bit too. So can you talk about what that means for your brand and your production process? Sure. Um, Consciously Crafted, you know, we chose that as a brand um, value because 
we felt like it encompassed the thought that, yeah, Nathaniel and I bring to the process for, you know, really creating or trying our best to create uh, things that are valuable for people. And, you know, that means quality things, things that solve a problem, um, you know, hearing from our customers, communicating that we want to hear from them. Um, and we take those, uh, that feedback to heart, um, you know, consciously crafted uh, in terms of um, even, you know, the words we use in marketing and like, uh, our approach to that. And then it, of course, um, spoke as well to, you know, we want to do good business. <laughs> we want, you know, um, business that supports our lives. We want business that meaningly, meaningfully supports other people's lives. We want to treat others, um, you know, throughout, you know, from everyone to the service providers of accounting and photographers, you know, to the um, uh, garment makers and um, fabric makers and, um, you know, production managers we work with, like all of those people, like we want, you know, to uh, just have a good experience with us, you know, and, and respect mm -hmm. for all, all involved. Um, and we felt like, you know, consciously crafted then kind of described that thoughtfulness um, mm -hmm. that we strive for. And, you know, in more on the production sourcing side, um, to be totally honest, I think you get better quality products when you're working with manufacturers who's, you know, have the stated tenant of being, you know, um, uh, ethical manufacturing organizations, um, you know, whether it be fair trade, whether it's, um, you know, uh, employee owned or cooperative setting, um, I think that, you know, that's a uh, helpful to both parties, but particularly, um, you know, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine like having a very obviously exploitive labor contributing mm -hmm. to my business, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, that was, um, you know, always going to be a motivation for us. Uh, and then, um, on, sustainability, you know, having seen so much fabric production of small scale, large scale, I've seen how gray of, you know, an area sustainability is. So I, as a new brand, I still struggle to figure out, you know, um, I'm not, I can't say that like all of our garments have used hardly any water to make them or, you know, mm -hmm. that like, uh, this sort of, um, impact has or hasn't been made. But what I started with is, you know, I love, um, textiles that, uh, use the Kadi tradition of hand spinning yarn and hand weaving yarn. Um, you know, it's sustainable in that it's a natural fiber and I get to purchase fabric from the same place in the world where the cotton is grown and that's not traveling somewhere. Um, the, uh, spinning and weaving is done without electricity. The, uh, dyeing is, uh, has proper waste management for that dye water or dye waste. Uh, and then, you know, what else? Um, yeah, we're primarily using hand wovens. The few fabrics that aren't hand woven are, um, you know, small batch sourced from quality vendors in uh, India that we've just been connected with and visited. You know, that's certainly the market sourced is a little bit more um, of an area that we 
as we grow, we can try to look farther back in the um, supply chain there, but we still stay with natural fibers, um, you know, which aren't a hundred percent better than, than synthetic fibers, but we would like to try to not to contribute to the um, microplastics, you know, Mm -hmm. building up in our world. So that's something we're choosing to do, you know? Um, So it's just important that it's a commitment. I think for, pretty much every business should be having some level of sustainability commitment, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, part of that is like a consistent reflection of the steps you're taking, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it is such a huge topic. Um, And it's, it's like almost impossible to do everything, you know, that you could possibly do. So I think it is more, like you said, being conscious of your choices and for as far as you can know and do, doing your due diligence to make sure nothing is being exploitive or destroying the environment, you know, as, as for the best that you know of, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's great that you really put the thought into that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Visit your, you know, to other entrepreneurs. It's like, brand owners visit, see as much of the process as you can, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think is so important, uh, throughout to kind of know where you stay, where you, what's actually contributing to your garments, um, I think helps. And, uh, I, I forgot as well, but, um, our business model of made to order is another real sustainability effort in that, um, you know, we, I've seen the hardships of having, um, you know, a successful 75% sell-through rate, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, what do you do season after season with another 25% of unsold inventory, you know, so um, for us that, you know, kind of limiting the, the other end of the product life was important too, you know, made to order has its cost, certainly, you know, um, and, and, uh, you know, speed limitations, but that's another thing for us that we felt was important to, to try. Mm -hmm. And I mean, making things in bulk also has a cost. It's just who's paying for it and when you're paying for it and how you're paying for it is different. Um, (laughs) That's true. Maybe cheaper dollar wise right then, (laughs) but there's still a cost somewhere. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. Thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So style wise with your designs, how do you like, what does your design process look like? And for tall women, do you think there are certain designs or silhouettes that are more flattering or is it more just about making sure whatever the design is that it fits well? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, I have not pondered like, oh, you know, wow, this type of neckline is really flattering for a tall woman. Um, I have not thought as much in that vein. Um, I suppose our new pant development of like high-waisted and wide leg, I've always thought can be a really beautiful silhouette for someone with really long legs. Um, Mm -hmm. but primarily it's like, what did I hear from people that they're missing, you know, um, and in their closets. Um, and I think that's been more where I started because I guess I, I bring a little bit more of a hope to be a functional piece of clothing than necessarily a, um, like elegant, more fashion piece of clothing in someone's closet. 
Yeah, that makes sense. More of like the staple that people go to rather mm-hmm. than like the fast fashion trend piece that's like here and gone. Yeah. 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 Or even high design, you know, um, elegant wear, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it sounds like your designs, like what, what designs and styles you offer comes from the feedback you're hearing from your customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Definitely. And the fabrics, I think, you know, starting, I sourced fabrics first, uh, you know, before specifically deciding on the silhouettes. And I think that, um, you know, imagining what this fabric would feel really good in was another um, kind of aid in deciding silhouettes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to, if I'm ever making something for myself, that's how Mm -hmm. I I start with the fabric first. I'm like, what would this look amazing as? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I totally get that. So I have one more question for you, and that is, if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be? Um, I think it would be to be thoughtful and really value the things in your closet. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that we, um, unfortunately, I think in recent decades, you know, it's been really hard to understand um, what all goes into a closet and goes into the things you wear and how they can make you feel, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, my hope would be that more people are more thoughtful about their closet because I think it's better for people and planet and also better for themselves. You feel really good and things that fit you well or are made with certain processes or things like that. Yeah, that's so true. I totally agree. Thank you so much, Taylor, for joining me today. This has been a great conversation, nerding out a little bit on fit and stuff. (laughs) Um, Where can people find more about you online? Sure. Uh, TaylorTall.com. And our Instagram handle is at ShopTaylorTall. And it's uh, T-A-Y-L-O-R, my first name. Yeah. I will put the links to those in the show notes. Great. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Allison. Um, I loved hearing more about your business. And uh, I think it's great that you're, um, you know, bringing these ideals and best practices for uh, the brands that you serve. It's uh, really, really great. Oh, thanks. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.